I travel a lot for work covering Formula One and IndyCar races, and I'm always jumping onto different Wi-Fi networks, and I like to make sure that my information staying secure. So that's why I use a VPN. First and foremost, security is of utmost importance, especially when connecting to unfamiliar networks. So private internet access ensures that your online activities remain secure, even when you're on the move. By encrypting your internet connection, it prevents anyone from intercepting your data or eavesdropping on your online communications. This means you can browse with confidence and peace of mind. So if you want to enjoy all the benefits of private internet access, now's the time to subscribe. Head to piavpn.com slash nailing the apex and get an 83% discount. Seriously, 83%. That's just $2.03 a month. And you also get four extra months completely for free, but you must go to piavpn.com slash nailing the apex for a truly private digital life. Once more, it's piavpn.com slash nailing the apex. Get in on the action and make your bet with Sports Interaction. Summer is heating up with baseball. Can the Jays make a run at the division? Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, hey, but you can bet before the game, whichever way you think, live and in play uh, at all your favorite teams and hot dog contests. Woo! Woo! Sportsinteraction.com slash STPN or download the app to get started. It's 19 plus. And what do you have to do, Steve? Please play responsibly. Welcome to Nailing the Apex, everyone. I'm Tim Haraney. Please head on over to Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a follow. Same goes with Apple Podcasts as well. Rate a review. So it really helps us grow the show. You can watch us on YouTube and you can follow me on social media at Tim Haraney. Joining me for part one of our midterm report card is Adam Wild. Adam, uh, you're out in the country somewhere. What are you I am. To? Family cottage. Uh, I am in my in-laws' bedroom, so you know, just uh, <laughs> just keeping it cool. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because there's so many kids here. I think there might be five or six kids under the age of five. There's nobody over the age of five here. Um, this is this door is behind two separate doors. There's a door that slides that cuts the bedrooms off from the rest of the cottage, and then their door. <laughs> so it's the only way I could guarantee that I would get uh, some soundproofing. So. This is so, where we're at, man. So, sounds like McLaren's technology center. There's hidden doors everywhere. And behind those, there's more hidden doors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm ready, though. I'm a little sad that we're, that we're not going to get a race for another month. But I'm also kind of pumped about how great the season's been so yeah. far. And I think underrated. A lot of people are being hard on it. But I think they're wrong. Yeah, I agree. Uh, if you're wondering why my face is so red, just got done a, a run. So, uh, yeah, if you want to watch me sweat this one out, head on over to YouTube. <laughs> you can see that. Um, okay, good, so Jim. yeah, to do this, uh, we're going to break down all 10 teams. So slowest to fastest, uh, grade the team performance. Uh, then we'll tackle, tackle the drivers. So our grades will be as follows. A plus, A, A minus, B plus, B, B minus, et cetera, et cetera, till... You know, you, you get the picture all the way down to, to F. And we'll begin mm -hmm. with Alpha Tower, who's got three points in the constructors standings. Uh, they're last, obviously. And we'll start with just upgrades real quick so people kind of know where they are with the car. And then we can move on to internal and et cetera, et cetera. So they, they introduced a new rear wing and a beam wing in, in Austria. They brought an almost you know brand new car to the British Grand Prix, which was round 10 of the championship, if I'm not mistaken, um, which included a new floor, uh, new floor body, floor fences, floor edge, diffuser, engine cover, bodywork, rear suspension, rear wing, beam wing development. And so this car has gone through a major transformation from where it was at the beginning of the season up until the last race that we've had, which was the Belgian 
Grand Prix, but Adam, you know, they've also had some internal restructuring going on at this team, aside from obviously the drivers, you know, the announcement a few months ago that team boss Franz Tost would be leaving the team at the end of the season. And then it took them a while, but they, they had announced this a few, a few months ago where they were like, yes, Laura Mecki's uh, from Ferrari. He's going to come over and he's going to be our team boss for next season. And then Ferrari basically saying, what's that? So this statement came out, and then it wasn't until the last race weekend before summer break that they were finally able to put out the announcement that Laura Meckes will be the team principal at AlphaTauri. I mean, Adam, you can't make it up, man. <laughs> it's been a mess. I think it, it, the, the season started off poorly. You knew things were bad when Franz Toss comes out and says, I don't trust my engineers. Yeah. Imagine what it takes for you to say that publicly. This is a guy who's an experienced guy. What has he been the manager there for, or the oh, team principal for what? Long 10, time. 20 years? A long time, yeah. Like a long, long, not 20 years. 20 years is too long, but a long time. And and yeah. and I think, you know, he's seen some amazing drivers come up through the ranks for Stoppen and Kvyat and, and Ricardo and Sainz and, and some of the, uh, you know, um, some of the, the best of the Red Bull Young Driver program. It's all gone through him. And I I am really sort of, at a loss as to how one franchise, which is, you know, the Bulls can have one car at the top and one car at the bottom. Uh, I know that there are, you know, limitations in terms of what they're able to, um, uh, what they're able to share between teams, which is like nothing, apparently, even though we all know, you know, those rules are sort of loosely enforced. Uh, it's, it's, it's a total mess and it's time for a change and it might not be Franz's fault, but, um, you know, Tim, I'd be surprised if they go into next year with like the same engineers as well. Yeah, because it's like a, with every new team principal that comes into an F1 team, right, Adam? I mean, they they want to put their stamp on the team. I mean, we've seen it so far with Frederick Vasseur, which is something we'll get into in part two of this podcast. But mm -hmm. I mean, for a team principal, when they come in, it's kind of like a head a head coach, right? They they always want to come in and bring in you know their people, so. They can have people that they trust in pretty important positions. But the problem is, is then you get all these different layers of restructuring within the team itself. And that takes time. It takes a long time to, to, to make that to make that shift, to mm -hmm. make that move. I mean, if you take Williams, for example, again, we'll get into them. They're, they're kind of an example of that. Um, another sort of disappointing part in all of this has been uh, their driver lineup, not necessarily... Uh, Yuki Sonoda, but Nick DeVries out after the British Grand Prix. He had a disappointing start to the campaign, and then in comes Daniel Ricciardo. So, you know, looking at their season as a whole, just very inconsistent on, on that front. I mean, I think the only saving grace for this team so far has been the standout performances from, from Yuki Sonoda. I mean, they... Mm -hmm. We had mentioned that they had a horrible start to the season. The car was the slowest on the track to start. Um, was not good in slow speed. They've started to look like, I mean, they've come alive a bit over the last few races. But I think, Adam, for me, I, I need to see a bit more to be convinced. So I'm going to mm -hmm. give the team as a whole a grade of C. Okay. You're going to give them a C. Wow, that's that's nice. Um, I, I'm giving them a D. Um, I, think, I think if you're... Uh, and there's only one team I would give a worse ranking to, and we'll get to them. And maybe we should kick it, kick each off with a uh, with our ranking because I, I I could have debated you on the C. I think you're being really kind. 
Uh, there's no <laughs> excuse for this team to be where they are. This should be a mid-pack team every year lock. And, you know, Red Bull is extremely hard on their drivers, right? We know this. We know Helmet Marco's out there trashing Nick DeVries in the papers after like three or four races, which, you know, when we get to our drivers, I think was I think it was really unfair. Um, at the end of the day, um, the team needs to be held accountable for that car. That car was horrible. And, yeah. and Yuki Tsunoda has made something of it. He's been amazing this year despite that. Um, if you're trying to develop drivers for your Red Bull A program, how do you expect them to develop properly if you can't even put on the same car that Haas or Williams or Alfa Romeo? Like, like it's just it's just unacceptable. You can never start a season like that. Um, they should be fighting with Alpine. They should not be fighting with those guys. So I, I'm a D on them. Drivers, we'll start with Yuki Tsunoda, 17th in the standings. He's got three points. I gave mm-hmm. him a grade of, of B+. Plus. Yeah, he captured a point in Australia and in, in a really flattering that car at the start of the season. Um, points as well in Azerbaijan, point as well in Azerbaijan. Same goes with the Belgian Grand Prix. I think he could have had a, a ninth in Barcelona, but got that penalty for forcing uh, Joe Guan Yu off the track and, and mm-hmm. dropped him out of the points. But a great B plus for for Yuki from myself, and uh, I, I would say just getting close to an A because uh, I think for a driver who's in the final year of, of a contract, he needs another one for next season. A lot of pressure on his shoulders um, coming into this, this season, this campaign uh, and to prove himself, right? Cause the first two seasons, well, they weren't that great at him, but yeah, for you, I'm giving him a B plus. And I, I, am right there. Similar with you. My, my grade was a B uh, worst car on the grid constantly in, in, in at least the, the heat for the lower points at certain points. He's, you see him up in 13, 12, 11. Um, genuinely he was much better than Nick DeVries, but I, I think what's going to be great about Daniel Ricardo on this team is that we know Daniel is now fast again. Uh, and we know he can be fast. And I think next year we're talking about uh, both of those guys going for Sergio Perez's seat at Red Bull in 25. And yeah. so if that's the case, that is going to be one of the most competitive driver lineups on the entire grid. Cause I don't think there's any way that I don't think Daniel's moving up this year. I don't think he doesn't want to race next year. So he's going to be in an AlphaTauri seat or, or a Hugo boss, boss racing bulls, whatever they want to call themselves <laughs> at that point. If the rumors are to be believed, um, I think Yuki, if he can keep his emotions in check, which has always been the knock on him, uh, if he can stay focused, this guy really, I mean, it's its hard to say he doesn't have a ceiling when Max Verstappen is on the track, right? Because he's so unbelievable. But yeah. Yuki Tsunoda should be a top five driver in Formula One in a couple of years uh, if he keeps this up. Dana Ricardo, I mean, it was hard to grade Ricardo. I mean, obviously, we haven't really seen enough from him. Um, mm-hmm. obviously 21st in the standings with zero points, but he's only done two, two races, but he had a good start in Hungary, mm-hmm. messed up his quality in spa, which probably would have been a very good qualifying performance from him. If he hadn't have gotten that, uh, he got his lap, lap time to read the deleted in qualifying. Uh, and so he had a good shootout and sprint race and then had an okay Belgian Grand Prix. I'm going to give Daniel a B minus just simply because of all of his experience coming back into F1. I think he's done a really nice job to kind of get things off on, on the right foot here. I'm going to say the same, except I'm C plus on him. And I I say this as a compliment. Um, If he had come in and not beaten Yuki in his first race, which he did, and then not beat him in the sprint, which he did. um, 
uh, people would have said, and, and rightly so, hey, well, it's the worst car on the grid. Give him some time to adjust. But he didn't seem to need it. Uh, and honestly, like, I know, yeah, he did mess up his qualifying in Spa and then, you know, it kind of stuck him at the back of the grid. But uh, what blew me away is how much he turned it around. You have to think about where Daniel was in, like, November when we're watching him on the Formula One feed, maybe saying goodbye for the last time. Oh, I'm yeah. going to take a year off. I did. You know, he just looked dejected. And the fact that he is able to put on the times that he can put on and be as competitive as he is in that short amount of time is really, really impressive. So um, two races, grading him on some results, I'm giving him a C plus, but I, I'm really impressed with Daniel Ricardo, and it's so nice to see, and it's good for the sport. Yeah, just to add a little more context to just how you know much Daniel had to work to get back on to the grid. Uh, like you said, Adam, at the end of November, just s- sort of a shell of his former self in terms of you know his driving capabilities and really lost his way he didn't believe in, in that, Daniel, right? Essentially. And so I think for Red Bull, when they when you know when Red Bull got him back, even Christian Horner was telling us like they didn't know who he was. He just looked like not the same Daniel Ricardo that had originally left the Red Bull program to go to Renault. So they had to spend a lot of time working with him in the in the simulator. They brought back one of his old um race engineers from his time at Red Bull Racing, uh, when he was performing really well and they really look like they've got him back on the right track. I think he's put in the the time and the effort. I think he's done a really nice job of keeping his uh, fitness going because mm-hmm. I think for a driver like, you know, Formula One driver, you have to keep your, your fitness levels high, but it's hard to stay motivated to do that when you don't have anything to sort of look forward to or a race to look forward to or competition. So I think for, for Daniel, um, yeah, he, he just did a really nice job of just maintaining everything, kind of getting back to the old ways of things for himself and, and going out and uh, kicking some ass on track here for Alfa Romeo right now, ninth in the constructors. They've got nine points. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I, I'm giving this one a C minus. They, yeah. they haven't, I mean, we'll start with the upgrades. Can I can confirm that the team will introduce upgrades for the car after the summer break. So they're not really shutting down that upgrade sort of pipeline, but again, you know, they haven't done a ton with this car, but I think the team hopes that it'll it'll turn around and, and be a point scoring machine after the summer break. But you know, they brought a a big up big upgrade to the British Grand Prix that was supposed to help them in the high speed corners. But then when we got to Spa, I mean, the team just really wasn't competitive at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they've struggled significantly throughout. I think Spa was a bit of of a mess for them. Like I'd mentioned, you know, cars qualifying 14th and 17th, Bottas finishing 12th. And he admitted that this is where the car is at, at the moment. It is the 12th quickest machine. And I think for a driver like himself, I don't think he wants to admit that, but realistically that's where it's at. Spa was their fourth straight race without capturing a point. And the team hasn't executed their weekends very well either. I mean, they messed up both drivers' timings and spa during qualifying. And I think they really need to look at where these struggles are, are coming from, start putting together cleaner weekends so they, they, they can come back and try and, and, and fight for some points. I mean, Adam, it hasn't I, – I with Andreas Seidel moving, moving over to that team, and, and yeah, you know, they've had some things – happening behind the scenes and restructuring and yes they've got to prepare for audi as well but i still think at the end of the day that it was a pretty competitive car last season and coming into this season it just doesn't look like they've made a step at all 
No, no, it doesn't. And, and you know, it's, it's the Sauber group needs to do a better job of building the hype for Audi. I mean, Audi's coming in 26. So you got two more years after this one to really get people pumped up. And I think the Alfa Romeo branding, if I'm not mistaken, is gone at the end of 24. Am I wrong on that one? Uh, yeah, I think actually it's gone at the end of this season. If I'm it not is, mistaken. so that's gonna and that apparently that's gonna go to Haas. They're still talking about that, but <laughs> but I, and I don't know what they're gonna call themselves. But you know, the thing is, Tim, uh, and I give them a I give them a uh, just a solid C minus on that. Um, again, this is a car that was competitive last year. So what changed? What happened? And the great thing is for them. Uh, you know, I know Formula One is like a 90% engineer sport. Uh, at very least, their drivers are a highlight, right? Yeah. Their, their drivers have done a good job. Uh, but you're going to have to look at, and, and you always talk about this, when you have a new two team principal, it takes years to change things up. Um, they're going to have to look at race strategy. They're going to have to look at tire degradation. And they're going to have to look up straight straightaway speed. They just don't have it. Um, and I don't know what it is that, that that holds the car back from that because I don't have the technical knowledge that you have. But I'll tell you, um, from a fan's perspective, I'm I'm really sort of surprised by their step back this year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's just just not thrilled with them, but I do like I think their driver lineup is pretty good. And a lack of execution on on those up on the upgrade side. And I think like when you have when you're a team that has resources and you have your own wind tunnel at your home base which some of these teams don't have especially teams that are in front of them they don't have their own wind tunnels at their home base and and now in this era in formula one that's such a it's such a huge thing i think they just need to do a little better on that on that side and i think with andre seidel there things will get turned around eventually i mean he's a very he's a very competent uh motorsports person and i think he's gonna make this team very competitive but it it does look like they've taken a huge step backwards. As for their drivers, we'll start with uh, Volteri Bottas, 15th in the standings with five points. Um, I'm giving Volteri a C plus on this one, Adam. It, it doesn't, I mean, it's been a difficult season for Volteri. I mean, tough for him to find his consistency within the race weekends, but I think he's done a, a very decent job to manage some points when they are in the offering and look, I do understand that like this car is probably well, I mean, he's also came out and said that this car is not that difficult sort of to drive, but I mean when you're kind of saying that you're expect I'm expecting a little bit more from him. Mm-hmm. Um he has had some decent performances. I guess I'm just looking for a little more consistency from him. Yeah, I mean, Valtteri, I gave him a B minus, so we're right in the same range there, Tim. Another, he's like a qualifying master. This is what he's he's really known for. Those, I mean, that was what he was great at with Mercedes as well, which puts him in good spot to start each race. Um, but it's hard to see him even doing that this year, and I don't know how much of that is down to the car, but it feels like it is. Um, I think they're going to have a mediocre rest of the year, but and and probably a much better start next year. But the one thing I like about Valtteri. Yep is that he is, whatever he is, whatever the car is and whatever he is, he's consistently that. He's always sort of in the same spot. So if, yeah, good point. You know, if, 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 if the range of the car is your best finish is a 12 to a 15, that's, what that's usually is. where he is. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. So I'll, I'll t- I mean, I'll take that any day in a, in a down season. And I think he's also a really good teammate uh, uh, to Joe Granu. And, and I think Joe Granu obviously doesn't need to be, you know, ha- have his hand held. But I think it's important to have when you have a team that's struggling like they are, 
um, some good back and forth, and you never hear of any drama from Alfa Romeo. They're never in the headlines. It's just now nah, that's not a great year. That's all it is. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good point you make. I mean, both both drivers working really well. I mean, I have to give a little more credit to to Valtteri too when you when when we consider. You know what? I think I'm going to change my. You got me convinced, man. I'm going with a B minus for Valtteri. <laughs> right, you got right. me. You convinced me, man. You turned that around. I was stuck in that C plus, dude. Now, like you got me switched only because I now that I think about this, I'm like, you know what? I mean, Bottas rarely ever complains about anything and he should and, and he should he should for sure considering where he has come from which was mm-hmm. the top at mercedes and now he's kind of come down to sort of this midfield team and where alfa romeo was last season compared to where they are right now i mean it's kind of a you know two different things and i think he's done a good job of keeping his composure yes and so and so for that and because usually a lot of these drivers can't after a while they just said you know screw it I had enough. I'm going off right now. And then yeah. they light somebody up. And so I think, yeah, I'm going B minus, man. That's yeah, actually good. All right. yeah, that's a, that's and he's a, also pretty marked with that mullet and the mustache. He's pretty marketable yeah, now. Solid. That's solid. All right. <laughs> Joe Guan Yu, 16th in the standings. He's got four points. He's right behind. He's right behind Voltry in the stand, driver standings. Um, I think, uh, Joe, I'm going with a B on, on this. He's had a nice second season uh, to his F1 career. I think he's done like a really good job considering it usually takes drivers about three years to kind of find their, their footing in formula one. I think he's really shown up and has pushed Volteri massively and, and he's taken what Volteri's taught him and he's put it into execution. And I think he's uh he's a really good driver to boot. I can, I can see him going far in F1, Adam, if he's, if he's able to, um, get another contract with this team. I can too. I, I see, I have him at a B minus. We're right there. I think he's really impressive. And, you know, I, I gave these guys, I, I sort of graded them on a, you know, a curve because you're graded against Max Verstappen. He's the bar. And you're also graded against the quality of car that you're driving on. Yeah. And for a second year driver who, again, like Valtteri says nothing. Doesn't light anybody up. Doesn't say anything. It's it's just I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do my race. He always seems to have a really good attitude. I love seeing his Instagram posts too, like what he's doing in his off breaks. He seems like he's a really cultured guy, and he's going around and kind of living the F1 life a little bit, but not on like the edge, just sort of enjoying it. Um, it's nice to see him sort of settle in and be comfortable. And I think there's an extension in the works. I was I think I was reading this morning that they're either close to or they have signed an extension for next year and potentially the year after. So. Uh, good for him. B minus. Uh, the fact that he has any points at all. Bless them both. Yes. Yeah, good Good point. Uh, we'll move over to Haas. They're eighth in yeah. the constructor standings with 11 points. Uh, I actually, you know, I, I'm going with B minus for Haas. And, you know, you, you, you may be surprised by I that, am. but I am. <laughs> let me walk you through why. We'll start with the upgrade department. So if we go back to last year, I mean, they're, their upgrades schedule was not very aggressive. They really mm-hmm. didn't have anything that they brought to the track. I think it was Kevin Magnuson. It was the last race before summer break in 2022. It was a big upgrade package that they had brought for that car. And then Mick got it for the following race. It was after summer break. And they kind of really dropped back after that. They really didn't stay that that competitive they had some flashes and they had a great performance in brazil but then if we come into this season the their upgrades you know the team brought 
something that was really interesting uh, to the team. You know, they, they introduced, a, a, um, I think it's called a PIDOT sensor on its car that they hoped would, would help them understand uh, their in-race tire deg. So they've had a mm-hmm. lot of issues with um, tire degradation within the actual race itself. So the car qualifies well, but then it drops like a stone once it gets into the race. So the sensor fits on the middle part of the of the nose of the car it measures uh, lower aerodynamic disturbances. It is designed to help the team, you know, data gather and to just get a better understanding of race tire wear. I think as the season has progressed for this team, you know, they've had some really impressive qualifying performances so far this season. Uh, Canadian Grand Prix is one that stands out with with Nico Hulkenberg qualified second and then he was sent back to fifth because of his penalty for driving too fast during uh the q3 red red flag but in the race fell back to fell back to 15th but they've you know they've seen these really solid quality performances just drop off a cliff in these races because of that tire deg and it gets worse when running in traffic in the race as well um they've had some impressive qualities like i said but I would say it's definitely better than last season so far, and that's why I'm giving them a, a grade of B minus. Just because at least the qualifying performances have been somewhat consistent. It's the mm-hmm. races and just trying to figure out the car a little bit more that's been holding them back. Where last season it was, it was really up and down. Yeah, I mean they had a great start last year. They that first five yeah. race thing was pretty spectacular. Um, I, I gave them a C, um, and the reason I give them a C is I expected them to take a step forward. And they are exactly sort of where they were last year without the great start. The one thing that you're, you nailed is, is the fact that um, the, the qualifying has been strong for them at points. Um, but I, at a certain point, you got to ask, like, at, when is this car going to take a step forward? When is this team going to take a step forward? It's been, what, five years since they finished fifth? Um, I, I, it's not that I don't – it's not that I need them to finish fifth this year. But seventh, I think, is something that should have been attainable. And I think it still might be, but I don't know. It, it The way that Williams is going, and we'll get mm-hmm. to them, uh, I don't know that they're going to catch them. And I'm not blaming that. I'm not putting that at the feet of Gunther Steiner. I'm not putting that at the feet of the drivers. I just kind of go like, okay, guys, like, where is this consistency? There's always uh, – <laughs> the crazy thing about Haas, it's just – I don't know how they do it. But every year it's like, we have a good car, but there's one fatal flaw that comes up every race. And you're like, oh, the car's not good in traffic. That's how you start every race, in traffic. That's where you gain the most. What do you mean the car's not good in traffic? That, can you imagine marketing a car? Like, like imagine just a like Toyota, Ford, BMW going, you guys are going to love this $100,000 car. It's a great family car. Just don't get it stuck in a traffic jam. Like, you just, like that is just anathema. Uh, but, but that's where... That's where they're at. And, and I, I personally, like, I'm not a, uh, I'm obviously a McLaren guy through and through. I root for Haas because they are the, the, the tiny sort of team that could. Uh, they don't have the resources that even like a Williams would have. And I, I, I'm a little bit annoyed. I'm a little bit frustrated, I guess. I think like one of the other things too that, you know, we have to kind of take a look at is obviously the, the drivers. I think, you know, one driver in particular may be holding them back just a tiny bit right now, and that's Kevin Magnuson. Um, we'll get into what I think about all of that in a second. I just think the qualifying performances, if you can get both cars being consistent 
in those quality performances where right now it's actually been Nico Hulkenberg. Um, I think you have a better chance of kind of scoring a few more, few more points. Hulkenberg's 14th um, in the driver's standings. He has nine points. I gave Nico a B plus, you know, first time back full time in F1. It's quite a few years. You know, he's really, he's really been impressive. And I think most notably, you know, taking, um, you know, just taking some really good risks in qualifying that have kind of really paid paid off. Mm-hmm. I think, oh, yeah. you know, I think he he hasn't squandered any of those where the car has been has been good. He's really he's really executed, is what I'm trying to say. The racing, yep. I think, for uh, him would go better if the team can find that balance for the races where the tire deg doesn't just drop off a cliff. I think yep. Australia was a was a strong race for him, finishing seventh, capturing a good haul of points. Uh, I think, yeah, I think Hulkenberg will be in line for an extension at this team as well. I, that's why I'm giving him a grade B plus. I'm giving him a C plus, and it's not because of anything. If that's not an insult, it's like with Ricardo. I'm being a little bit hard on my grades here. Ricardo got a C plus. That's a compliment. Nico gets a C plus. I think the thing about Nico Hulkenberg that I like the most, obviously, his qualifying has been pretty spectacular this year. It's really been the highlight. Does a killer one lap this guy, but um, I. What I have never heard, what I have not seen one headline on is, did Haas make the right choice in replacing Mick Schumacher? And I think that says an awful lot, not even the German papers who are notoriously pro-Schumacher and who can blame them, Mm -hmm. uh, are saying anything along the lines of, hey, um, boy, did Haas make a, a bad decision letting our boy Mick go? You know, Nico Hulkenberg really hasn't brought it. Well, he has brought it. And it kind of makes you wonder, Tim, like, how did a guy like Nico Hulkenberg, who is doing what he can with that car, sit on the sidelines for a year when so many race teams are looking for a guy just like him? Yeah. And he's a he's the perfect B driver on a mid mid pack team. Um, and and it, and I don't mean that as a again as an insult. I'm sure he would hate that. But the only thing about Nico Hulkenberg that anybody's been ever to say, ever been able to say is that he's got extreme talent. He's very fast, uh, but he's never got a podium, so he shouldn't be in F one anymore. I mean that, like, and that's that's the thing. Like, I, I'm 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 really impressed with Nico Hulkenberg, but I think given his results in the past uh, with Renault and some of the other teams he raced for, um, I can't even remember if he raced for any other teams. To be honest with you, Renault is what I remember him with. Force um, India. Oh, Force India, of course. Um, uh, uh, he's always been Nico. He's always (laughs) been Nico. Yeah. And, and so I I don't know. I'm, I'm really impressed with him. Yeah. I, I think like you make, you make a good point with the Schumacher note, but I think, I think if the, the team could, you know, get Magnuson back to Magnuson of last year. Yeah. Then I think that's, you know, you've made the argument that, you know, he should have been replaced. The problem, I think, is, you know, Kevin's just having a really rough, rough start to this, you know, first half of the half of the season. He's 18th in the standings. He only has two points compared to his teammate who has nine points. Yeah. Um, I'm giving him a great C. It hasn't been good. Uh, struggled in qualifying. Doesn't have the same confidence with the car that he had last year by the looks of it. He had a nice race in Saudi Arabia, finishing 10th. Had mm-hmm. some good performances in Miami as well. Miami in qualifying. Uh, that really stands out to me because that's a tough tough track, tough conditions. Uh, yeah. Just held on to 10th and got a point there. But it's been, it's like I say, you know, just rough from, from there on out. You know, the next seven races, Monaco, DNF, Spain, 18th, Canada, 17th, 
Austria 18th, British Grand Prix DNF, Hungary 17th, Belgium 15th. Not sure if they'll be... I, I don't know if they're going to bring him back for another season either. I know Gunther Steiner wanted to have his 2024 driver lineup secured by mm-hmm. the summer break, and that hasn't happened yet. So so I'm going with the greatest C for Kevin. I'm giving him a D plus, man. Um, genuinely, like, not sure what to say here. I'm I'm cheering for the guy because I do like yeah. him a lot. Uh, yeah. he's, he's a guy you can get behind. Um, he's a racer. He is a racer. And I know, like, he and his wife just had a, a baby as well, and that can – you know, kill your sleep and change your focus and all that sort of stuff too. But this is his, his career in F1 is again on the line here. Um, I don't, I, I'm not, I, by the way, I'm only saying that from personal experience. I couldn't race a car and have a baby at the same time. And I, it was just, uh, I didn't sleep at all when Everly was born. It was outrageous, outrageous, the amount of sleep I lost. Uh, but I'm saying in, in all honesty, um, he, if you just look at qualifying, which is where they've been good, uh, he's no match for Nico. And I think that is that sort of says it all, right? He's had an extra year in this car. Uh, Nico has come in after a couple years off and and really run run him over. Uh, and I like Kevin Magnuson a lot, and I want him to succeed. Yeah. So I hope the back yeah. half is better. Um, but consistency, Tim. If even if even if he only picks up a few points, but he's consistently consistently like twelfth or thirteenth. Yeah, I think they got. I think they have to resign him at that point. Yeah, yeah, I I agree because you know at that point you're kind of we're trying we're kind of talking like he's he's there to score points. He's giving the team that chance to if somebody drops out of out of a, a points paying position, Kevin's kind of there to to snap it up. Same with Nico. So if they can just find a way of of getting Kevin, I guess, a little bit closer to Hulkenberg in terms of uh, the quality pace, so they can get in a good position to both of them try and score good points and get a better understanding with the car and the tire deg. Uh, then, yeah, I, I don't see why Kevin can't bounce back in the second half of the season. Let's head over to Williams, uh, seventh in the Constructors with 11 points. Um, actually, really quite uh, happy with what you know Williams has has done here. I'm giving them a grade of B+. I mm-hmm. mean, if we you know just talk about upgrades real quick, they introduced a, a big one at the Canadian Grand Prix, new floor, side pods, modified rear suspension, which isn't an, isn't an easy thing to just bring to a car. 23 upgrades, I think, up to that point. Uh, pushing to be a consistent Q2 car, which they appear to be, that was the goal. There shouldn't be any more major upgrades, I don't think, moving forward. Um, just a few tweaks probably for, for them. And then I think I, I also look at internally when I look at you know, some of these teams and where they're at and the, their successes. When we look at hires for, for Williams, I mean, James Valls, you know, being brought over by Doralton, started at the team at the beginning of the season. He's had a lot of work to do there. I think he's made some really nice hires since since coming on. Um, yeah. Canadian Frederick Bresseau as his COO, adding him was smart. Bresseau comes from a, a Pratt in, in Whitney where – you know, he worked on their Mirabal Aerospace Center and oversaw the opening of the facility and it's the oh, wow. you know, cool. state of the art production line for the for the engines and the Airbus A A two two zero. So he was kind of all up in that. Uh then moved over to be their vice president. I think also for for James getting his hands on Pat Fry, arguably the the first major move by Vals to to snap him away from Alpine. Um Fry will become, you know, the chief technical officer. And it's the first since Patty Lowe, so that's got to be 2018, 2019, since they've had 
uh, chief technical officer. So Fry will join on, on November 1st, worked at Ferrari, worked at McLaren for like 17 years, uh, had a stint with the Alpine team there in Manor. So I think Val's now finally has a real sort of technical structure at that team that they can, they can work with. I think they need a new head of aerodynamics, but I think after a while, Adam, that that'll come along. They started the season off really well. Uh, it looked like they had a sizable jump from the 2022 car. Alex Albin scored the first points for the team with a 10th place finish in Bahrain. Um, they're, you know, we're hoping for a points finish at Spa, which was a track they had targeted that would have worked well for their car. I think Monza is probably going to be the next weekend for them where they should be scoring some points, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to give them a great, a a B plus. I think Williams as a whole is is a, is a B plus great turnaround to begin this season and nailed their major upgrades. I think you're, you're bang on the money there. I think if you were to grade them against the rest of the field, like you're, if you remember, they're still a, a lower middle team, right? Like they are, uh, seventh place is the 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 best of the the worst. I hate to put it that way. Uh, but Williams are my favorite story this year. I'm giving them a C plus, but again, it's because I'm grading them against Red Bull, right? But if you grade them against last year's car, they're an A team. Like that that is a, a, really it's incredible. Uh, so I'm I'm not trying to be a jerk here, uh, but it's incredible what they've done with a short amount of time. And and Tim, I think their straightaway speed to me is what's what's been so impressive. Right. This is a car that had, I mean, the car had no balance, no brakes, no cornering, and absolutely no speed. They had no mm-hmm. chance uh, mm-hmm. the last five, six years. It's not been good. Um, but the sport is better when Williams is on the rise. Um, it's a it's a team that um is a legendary team, and they should be like McLaren um and like Ferrari, you know, they are sort of the legendary teams in the sport. Um, they need to be teams that they, they should be in the top five. And I hope they get there eventually blown away by, by what they've done this year. And obviously I know we're going to take it to the drivers in a second. Um, I think if you have more consistent, uh, driver, uh, results out of both drivers, then I give them a higher grade. Uh, but one is obviously really overperforming and one is not quite there yet, but we can talk about that now, I guess. So, so I guess, who do you want to start with? Yeah, let's start with Alex Albin. We'll go back to the uh, Canadian Grand Prix where Adam uh, Wild had uh, Alex way into his uh, top 10 on the driver to rankings. Uh, yeah. at, Adam, I'm going to take, you know, take the old hat off to you because that was a good call, dude. He's um, been amazing. He has been. I'm giving Alex a grade of A, uh, 13th in the driver standings. He's got 11 points. Highest finish was seventh at that Canadian Grand Prix. Uh, and that was an incredible drive um, from Alex. That was a championship driver's drive. He was amazing to keep the group of cars he had behind him for most of that race behind him. Very impressive. Yeah. Uh, eighth at the British Grand Prix uh, as well. And... I just think he's done a really nice job here this season. And you can see the confidence coming from him now, you know? That car was double wide at the Canadian Grand Prix. Like, uh, (laughs) just huge. Like, I know the cars are getting bigger, but his car looked huge. Um, I'm I'm, I'm with you, Tim. I gave him an A-. I'm so impressed. The guy has done something with that car. And really, I mean, the strength of the Williams is straightaway speed. I don't know that they've got great balance uh, quite yet. Um, And they're breaking... It's better, but it needs to be improved, right? That's why they don't do as well in the cornering, 
you know, the kind of the windy circuits. Um, but uh, man, like uh, when you look at the gap to his teammate, even though his teammates are rookie, uh, this is an improved Williams. And, and really he's the only one getting the results uh, uh, in terms of points. Uh, and when you look at the overtaking of the, the, the cars in the field that are comparable. So you look at Haas, you look at Alfa Romeo, um, you look at Williams uh, versus those guys, and uh, there's uh, an AlphaTauri, which just doesn't even seem fair, honestly. Um, Albon is able to pass them all. He is the best of that field. There's no question. Uh, the car is a part of it, but I also think, you know, and it was interesting that there was um, uh, some conversations about apparently Red Bull had reapproached him to join back in to the Red Bull program. Um, and I don't blame him for saying no. Yeah. If I were Alex Albon, I'm like, I'm the lead driver at a legendary team that is now on the rise. Like, is if if Alpine continues to have the the problems that they have, which is just absolute chaos at every level, um, just t- cannot manage themselves despite all the money in the world, uh, is it far-fetched next year to say that uh, Williams could be nipping at Alpine's heels? Is it yep. is sixth place out of their seventh now? Is sixth place out really that out there? Um, and if I'm, if I'm, uh, if I'm Albon, I want to be the lead guy now. Yeah. I've been Verstappen's second guy. Uh, I've been a Toro Rosso. I don't need, I don't need that anymore. I want to be a guy on a team that's going somewhere. And with James Vowles in there and the team that he's putting together, I'm, I'm, I don't blame him for just saying I'm staying with Mercedes or I'm staying yeah. with Williams Mercedes. Yeah. Great, great, great point that you make. I mean, when you're, you know, a driver in Alex's position, I mean, essentially if he can just keep performing they'll just build the team around him and like mm-hmm. that that's a brilliant move by alex to 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 do that i mean considering where his f1 career was so when when he left f2 to to move into f1 you know i was like he's a really good driver i mean you know i i know firsthand just how good alex albon you know is and was in the formula two days he was teammates with nicholas atifi and and alex's was top line talent he is extremely good extremely fast um probably the fastest hands on the grid and also some of the best car control i have ever seen Mm -hmm. and i think that's what separates him and you know his teammates and in particular logan Sargent. logan has zero points right now his highest finish 11th at the British Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a 12th in Bahrain at the beginning of the, the season and has had some okay qualifyings. I mean, the one in Saudi Arabia stands out the most to me where he he, he would have had a really, really good qualifying. He didn't get uh, penalized for going over the, uh, it's like going over the white line by start finish straight away and had the lap time deleted. Um same thing, I think, at the, if I remember correctly, at the British Grand Prix, he had a few lap times deleted there that, that may have really bumped him up the pack a little bit more. I think for, for Logan, it's great to see plus from me. Uh, I think the only thing that's keeping it from a B is just I need to see a little bit more this season. Granted, you know, we, I think we all knew from him coming from Formula 2 and then moving into Formula 1, it was going to be a really tall order uh, for him to, to hang on with, with Alex in the first season. I think for Logan, it's a really difficult. I think it's a really difficult car to drive. I think it's a, a car that particularly suits Alex's driving style, which you know Alex can just hang on to a car. He's got great car control, and I think for you know maybe some drivers that 
it kind of gets in the way of the confidence a bit and to push because you don't want to crash the car. You don't want to wreck anything. So I think for a driver uh, like Logan, um, I'd like to see him back in Formula One for a second season so we can get like a clearer picture of, of what his trajectory is. Because I don't think we're really seeing enough mm-hmm. at this moment. But also excited to see what he can do in the uh, se- second half of this season because even though I am giving him a grade of C plus, I don't think he's a bad driver. I actually think he's a really good driver. And, and uh, we just have to go back to that time in, in, in Formula Three when he was pushing Oscar Piastri for the championship. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's a, he's a fast track driver. Uh, that's why you saw Silverstone, you know, be his best result because I think he, first off, I think in every other level, he's done extraordinarily well at Silverstone. Um, but, uh, yeah, my, my, if, if, okay, if Logan Sargent is a year three driver, this grade is a D, but because he's a rookie, I'm going to give him a C plus. Uh, and you're right. So, so he steps into a team that's going undergoing a lot of change. The guy that hired him, was like fired a few months later. And I've been in those situations. My first job in radio, the guy that hired me, I've still never met him face to face. He was gone two weeks later. And the next boss, the next boss was not thrilled about having a 19 year old on the air. Uh, So, uh, you know, it can be very difficult, very challenging on that end. And then you got Albon who has raced uh, for, you know, Rosso and then, you know, Red Bulls seat two and uh, has a ton of experience and now a ton of confidence. Um, You know, there's a lot of tricky things that go into Logan Sargent's start. Um, he's got to close the gap a little bit between Alex Albon and himself. Um, I do feel like Tim, there's something there. I don't know yeah. if he's, if I compare him against Oscar Piastri, which I think until a couple weeks ago was a pretty fair comparison, uh, car wise, they weren't much different. Um, the, the, the thing is Piastri is far and away better. There's no question far and away better. Um, if you put Logan Sargent in that, in that McLaren car, there's no way he's doing what Piastri has done. Doesn't mean that it's not like that he shouldn't that he doesn't belong in Formula One. You look at Yuki Tsunoda and the development curve he was on. His first year was pretty bad uh, by Formula One standards, but he's a rookie. So I think Logan Sargent has to prove that the flashes of what we could see. And I, I did actually like I liked what he did at Silverstone. People were like, "Well, he should have got points. He should have got points." I'm like, rookie, give him a pass on that. He, I want to see what he does at Monza before I really start to pass a judgment on how his season goes. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, the there's no question here. Uh, Formula One needs an American driver on the grid uh, <laughs> for marketing purposes. And I also think that he belongs there right now. Um, I just want to see more. And I think probably if you were to ask him, he would see the same. Yeah. I think, and granted, you know, James Valls does really like Logan believes in oh, him and th- thinks totally. there's a lot of thinks there's a lot of talent there. Um, I just think it's going to take a bit of time for Logan to kind of really make that next sort of, sort of step. I mean, it's not easy. This is formula one, but again, you know, you made a good point with Yuki Tsunoda. I mean, his first year is pretty troublesome, but then after that, you know, it's he, he's gotten better as the years have kind of rolled along. And I think Logan Sargent would be on a similar sort of trajectory where if we get to year two, I think he takes that that next step, but yeah, Imola is a, a great spot um, to see what else sorry, Logan Imola. can do. Yeah, yeah no, it, it's it, it it's true because or sorry, excuse me, Monza, Monza, yeah, right no, Imola had it. Yeah, you know, I'm like, did I mess it up? No, you uh, didn't it's still mess early up here. <laughs> oh my god, Monza's a, it's a speed track, right? So those, you expect those drivers to really stand out. Yeah, for sure. I think for for them, I think they're going to have the car for that track. And so, yeah, I think that's a good it's a good statement you make. Uh, Monza would be the right place to 
really see where he's at. Uh, Adam, this has been great. Thanks for doing this. We're going to do, uh, we're going to do two more parts. Look out for the next one on Monday, uh, or Sunday evening in your podcast feeds. Adam, uh, you still on vacation or like, uh, what's going on here? When are you ever on vacation? Really? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) I love it. Thanks so much for taking the time, dude.